Can I interrupt your conversations there and encourage you to continue chatting after the service and continue building those relationships with each other? Um, it's great to be with you today. It's great to be looking at Nehemiah again. Hopefully, you've been enjoying the series so far. And maybe for those who are new or haven't been with us these past few weeks, do check out um, the previous weeks online. In particular, week one, Charlie gave a kind of really great summary of where we find Nehemiah in the Bible and what the situation is. And it's just great to understand that as we come. And I want to start today with a question. Have you ever stood up for something you believed in? What was it? Why did you stand for it? I'm sure that most of you have stood for something at some point, whether that's big, like a major world issue, or something small, like what's better, Apple or Samsung. But standing up for something might feel really normal for you, but for some of you, it might feel absolutely terrifying. Some of you might prefer to do it in those one-to-one situations or in a group with your friends. Some of you are more the vive la revolution and support the big protests that we find. But we love it when people stand up for what is right, when people stand up for what is just, and we see the appropriate changes in our society. I'm sure, like a lot of you um, and myself, we have watched a lot of good TV over this uh, lockdown period. Um, hopefully you've watched some good TV. I'm sure some of us have watched some bad TV as well, um, which sometimes is good as well. Um, but one of my favorite TV shows over lockdown was a show called The English Game. Don't worry, it's not just all about English people. That's okay. Um, but it's a true story. It's a true story about the birth of professional football. We meet two men from very differing backgrounds. We meet Lord Kinnaird, a director in the bank, and Fergus Souter, a mill worker. But they have one thing in common, a love for football. And they meet on several occasions on the football pitch. But we find as we go through the series, these mill workers, workers are struggling to make ends meet. Their opportunities are limited. And they're even facing expulsion from the cup because they've decided to start to pay their players in order to help them survive. But Canard stands up for these mill workers that without financial aid, these workers would not be able to live. Canard goes and places an argument and stands before the Football Association. The Football Association, who are not just a board of officials, but in fact his teammates, and many of him his close friends. Canard stood for what is right. He stood for what is right, even though it might cost him something. In today's passage, we find Nehemiah standing up for injustice, standing up for injustice, and not just standing up against it, but living it out, living it out at cost to himself. And so we're going to dive into this passage today. And as you'll know that with all good passages and sermons, that they should break things down, and in particular, they should break things down into threes. And even better than just breaking into threes, they should all start, all every point should start with the same letter, and um, I'm only in my second time live preaching to you, but I'm pretty pleased with myself today. First up, verses 1 to 5, we've got the situation. Verses 6 to 13, we've got the solution. And verses 14 to 19, we've got the action. In the words of Meatloaf, two out of three ain't bad. But our situation, 
If you look down with your Bibles at verses 1 to 5, we find our Israelites struggling financially. They're crying out to Nehemiah and to their leaders. Verse 2, some are struggling to be able to afford grain to feed their families. Verse 3, they're mortgaging their land in order to raise money to afford food. And then in verses 4 and 5, we hear of others who are borrowing money to be able to pay taxes. And then saddest of all, ones who are selling their children into slavery in order to be able to live. What an incredibly sad situation we're reading about this morning. These people have given up their work and their livelihoods and incomes to work on the wall. And it's had repercussions for their well-being. They knew the sacrifices they were taking on by giving up their work to build. But what they hadn't accounted for was greedy merchants, increasing grain prices due to a famine, ever-increasing Persian taxes for the grandeur of palaces in their imperial city. But what was even worse was the local Jewish moneylenders taking this opportunity to charge excessive interest upon their fellow people. This wasn't a new practice for the moneylenders of Israel. If we look back in Ezekiel, not that long before, we read of the condemning of those who make unjust gain from their neighbors. But predictably, they continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And here we have that same thing happening. The poor in society who have given of themselves to restore the city, being punished for their goodness and effort, borrowing money to pay taxes, mortgaging their assets, and even selling their children just to survive. There's something so not right about that. And this was a repeated problem for the Israelites, but does this at all sound familiar in 2020? Where the rich seem to get richer and the poor seem to get poorer? Where loan companies take advantage of those who need money and need it fast? where the rich in the rich areas have more access to education or health services. Where in the UK, we find that 14.3 million of our population are in poverty. Where in our own borough of Wandsworth, 39% of children find themselves in poverty too. I'm sure there are more facts and figures that I could have pulled out, or there might be others that you've heard yourselves. But before we get further down into that, let's, let's pick up our passage again and see what Nehemiah got up to when faced with this situation. The solution. Look with me at verse 6. Nehemiah shows what I think would most of us would deem as the correct response to this situation he's been faced with. Anger. A righteous anger. But he takes his time before responding. Time to reflect on the situation. He doesn't let his emotion cloud his judgment and force him to unleash a torrent of words that might just have been abusive and therefore unhelpful. Instead, he steadies himself to deliver the appropriate response. Firstly, calling out their misdemeanors. Verse 7, charging your own people interest. And then in verse 8, calling out how they had sold their own countrymen to the Gentiles pointing out that delicate irony that these people have been brought out of exile only to be sold back into it. 
You can imagine that scene at the end of verse 8. They kept quiet for they had nothing to say. You can imagine those leaders sitting nervously in their seat as Nehemiah with a righteous anger, nostrils flared, eyes bulging, calls them out. And they're trying to avoid any eye contact because they know that they've done completely wrong. Then Nehemiah delivers his solutions to this situation. He tells them what to do and even addresses himself when speaking as he too was in the business of lending money. Look at verse 10. But let us stop charging interest. Give back to them immediately their fields, vineyards, olive groves and houses and also the interest you're charging them. 1% of the money, grain, new wine and olive oil. You'd think in a room of powerful landlords and money lenders that there would be some kickback or reaction from them, but no, the reaction that he gets in verse 12 is unbelievable. We will give it back and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. What a response from a group of officials. What a response from people who have been called out for their wrongdoing. Nehemiah had spoke to their head and to their heart. To their head regarding some poor business and decisions that would impact the building of this wall, which they desired to do. But more importantly, to their heart. These are your own people who are being taken advantage of, rinsing them of nearly everything they have, some of them even being sold into slavery to live. Nehemiah calls on these officials to make promises before God, calling on God to shake out their wealth if any of them disobeyed. He called on their head and he called on their heart, but he also called on their fear of the Lord to keep their word. To this, they all said, Amen, and praised the Lord. That's a pretty tight ship Nehemiah is running there, isn't it? As he leads his officials. Can you imagine getting responses like that in today's world? People unreservedly agreeing over something like this, particularly when it involves money. But even when we see the plights of injustice in our world, in our country, and even on our doorstep, it doesn't seem to unite us. It doesn't seem to always unite us in agreement. But what if we stood together, united against injustice, stood up for the poorest in our society, both local and further afield? I know that a lot of you are already in the practice of supporting our food bank and the work at CAPDU here. And there are many other charities that many of you are involved with, which is fantastic. But the need is still there. And what are we going to do personally? How might this look in our day-to-day lives? Before we consider that further, let's go back to our passage, the action. Nehemiah wasn't just about lip service, telling others what they should do and then getting on with his life the way he always had. No, Nehemiah practiced what he preached. He spoke and then he put it into action. Nehemiah as governor was afforded plenty of perks of the job, but he refrained from taking them as he saw the impact it had on the people. Read with me from verse 14. Twelve years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. But the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people. 
and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistants lorded it over the people, but out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. The actions of the previous leaders had placed a heavy, heavy financial burden on the people, and Nehemiah doesn't want to impose that on them again. We find Nehemiah acting out of compassion for his people, out of compassion for his people and out of reverence for God. But his acts don't just finish with not receiving extra money, but in 17 and 18, we find Nehemiah hosting the Israelites, all the people at his table to enjoy his food. And it sounds like quite the banquet. Each day, an ox, six sheep, poultry, and then abundant supplies of wine. I wouldn't mind being invited to that dinner. But Nehemiah gives up his luxuries for the benefit of the Israelites so that in turn they could continue to work at growing and building the wall. The final act of chapter five is Nehemiah's prayer. Remember me with favor. Remember me with favor, my God, for all I have done for these people. It almost feels like a little arrow prayer that he's just shooting up to God, a prayer of hope, a prayer saying, God, I hope that I've done right by you and right by your people. A prayer seeking of God's affirmation and not people's. So where does all this land for us in Clapham Junction in 2020? The situation's Don't look too different at times. And I don't know about you, but I have felt so incredibly challenged as I've read this passage. Challenged in so many different ways of numerous different things. What am I doing with my money? Can I be putting it to better use? Do I serve those who are less well off than me in any way with my time or with my money? With that big question, do I stand up against injustice? Sometimes. Probably not enough. I probably have an opinion about things against injustice, and I'm happy to share most of my opinions, but that's probably it. I haven't always let my thoughts become actions. I've talked the talk, but not necessarily walked the walk. But as I've pondered this, My mind goes through all the things that need our attention, and the list is endless. Where do I begin? What needs my attention first, or what needs it most? And I think it would be very easy for us to be completely overwhelmed when we consider the injustice in the world, both locally and globally, which has probably only increased in this past year due to COVID. There is so much, and I can do so little. But thankfully, there is one who comes after Nehemiah, the true Nehemiah, Jesus, who stands up against all injustice, big or small, who, as we read in Corinthians, though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. The true Nehemiah, who who challenges the tax collectors and calls them to return what they wrongly took, The true Nehemiah who feeds the masses out of the little he had in his own hand. The true Nehemiah who stood for and with the poor and the outcasts of this world. 
and he encourages us to do the same. So what is the little we can do to stand up against poverty? I've already mentioned our community ministries such as Food Bank and CAP, which are doing a great job, but they continue to need support financially and voluntarily. And there are other great debt or financial charities out there that we can support too. But what can we do personally? That's the question we want to ask today. What can we do personally in our everyday? Well, it starts with being like Nehemiah, being like Jesus, living in reverence for God and compassion for his people living in reverence for God and glorifying him and compassion for his children, his people, the people we see around us day to day. Do we know people who are struggling? How can we help them? Do we know about the companies we are buying into and buying things from? Are they good with their money? Paying taxes that would help the most vulnerable in society or paying their staff appropriate living wages? Could we give up convenience for the sake of the wee guy and not feed the big corporations? There are so many difficult questions for us to consider today, and I massively speak to myself as I read this and consider this passage. It might cost us something to stand up against injustice, but it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it because of Jesus the true Nehemiah. In him, we can be confident that in the little we do, whatever that might be, that in and through him, that all injustice will be overturned. And it's that hope that we live in today, that hope that we can live in today, that we can go out in reverence for God, in compassion for his people, that we can be confident that injustice can be overturned through the little that we do. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the example of Nehemiah. We thank you that he stood up against injustice. And Lord, that he lived it out in his life. Lord, will you inspire us and encourage us through the works of Jesus, Nehemiah, and through the work of your Holy Spirit in each one of us to live that out. To live out of compassion for those around us live out of compassion for those around us and we see day to day, but also out of loving you. Lord, come fill us now. In your son's name I pray.